0: Hey everyone, today we discuss Watchmen. It's for people who complained about the Justice League that the privates weren't blue enough. (laughs) (laughs) And this is The Book Pile, a podcast about the best
1: of books and the worst of books. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome, and may we suggest checking out our back catalog of over 170 episodes with as many books. I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic A father, and not a comic book father, though I may father a comic who becomes a comical father. Can you you imagine if this is someone's first time,
0: and they've already turned it off because they think that's my thing? Yeah, why do you sound like a troll giving me a riddle?
1: (laughs) I'm the wordplay guy. Welcome to 40 Minutes of Hell. He is always
0: like this. And I'm David Vance. Kellen, as a kid, I used to think graphic novel meant the novel was explicit. (laughs) So, lucky guess.
1: (laughs) All right, as usual, feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't have to manually download uh, every episode every week. One of our recent five-star reviews comes from Crazy Pickle Math Superstar, who for sure just wrote that, hoping that I would read it word for word, (laughs) and I did. I've listened to all the episodes, and I love it so much that my goal this year is to listen to them again. Hey, that's one of my resolutions. <laughs> my all-time favorite episodes are the ones with guests in them. Uh, oh, oh, boy. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so far, the this person's favorite episodes are The Roast of the Transformers, The Illustrated Man, Bears Want to Kill You, All the Twilights, and All the Harry Potters. Well, I mean, that sounds a little better. Bears Want to Kill You is the only one... Uh, with a guest, and that one doesn't have Dave. So <laughs> so no harm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you want to see me live, I'm going to be in Grass Valley, California, May 18th. Then I'm going to be in Sunnyvale, California, May 30th through June 2nd. Then I'll be in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, at Rumors Comedy Club, June 11th through the 15th. Uh, A lot of other shows uh, currently in the
0: works. For all those tickets, go to KellenErskine.com. So, Kellen, when I first read this book, I was doing a consulting gig for a phone company, and I was miserable. But during that depressing time, I got really into Breaking Bad and Watchmen, you know, kind of as pick-me-ups, just to have something light. (laughs) And ever since then, Watchmen is by far my favorite graphic novel. But what did you think?
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not a comic book or, excuse me, a graphic novel picture book guy. But I was <laughs> blown away by the storytelling. And the care that went into not just the artwork, but the editing choices, like the placement of text, which I'll get into, and I promise it's more interesting than it sounds right now. I will say that there was such a missed opportunity with this very original character idea uh, with this superhero Rorschach, whose mask is literally a Rorschach test and an ink blot test. But instead of it being an enigmatic blot, the ink was just... Permanently in the shape of me when I was nine years old and my goldfish died. Like, why would they choose <laughs> just one image? Also, quick content warning, uh, not of this episode, but of this book. If you haven't read it and you're considering giving it to your nine-year-old who loves uh, Spider-Man, this one, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard PG-13. There's no F-words, but there's a handful of runners-up and some... Uh, a yeah, pretty, pretty graphic violence. Don't let the cover of the book fool you. It gets a lot worse <laughs> than that
0: smiley face. <laughs> the premise of the cover is, what if a smiley face had blood on it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, if today's book ends up sounding interesting to you, uh, consider buying it using the link in our episode description. That way you get a book and you get to support the podcast. It's available on paperback and Kindle, and apparently, I've never seen this before, Dave, Library Binding? Uh, and I'm not sure what that is, but when I clicked on it, it says that it's strictly only for use in libraries and schools and good Oh. because this book definitely <laughs> belongs in every school. All right. And without further ado, here are
0: four lessons that we took from Watchmen. All right. Lesson one. Why do we like antiheroes? Shout out Travis Kelsey. So Kellen, I want to start with an exciting quiz. I read a quote, and you tell me if it's from Watchmen or It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> okay. okay. What is it that you want, Mary? You want the moon? Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful life. All right, next one. <clears throat> the streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood, and when the drains finally <laughs> scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waists, and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, save us, and I'll look down and whisper, No. Okay, now I feel dumb for answering the first time. All right, so you don't know? That second one is Watchmen.
1: No, I feel dumb because I was like, oh, this is literally my favorite. I'm a big film snob, and this is literally my favorite movie. (laughs) I know. So I'm going to be real good at this game.
0: (laughs) And yet, one for two. So, Kellen, Kellen, I have this mystery where I want to figure out why I love dark, edgy, amoral characters, when really my personality and my car can both be described as Toyota Corolla. (laughs) I mean, you've been around me. I look like the 1950s. When someone at Times Square tried to sell me cocaine, I was so flattered to even be considered. And yet, so many of us, like so many of people like me, love these dark brooding antiheroes and Watchmen and Gone mm-hmm. Girl and Game of Thrones. And I really want to understand why that is. I- I'm kind of fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. And so first I have kind of an optimistic theory. My optimistic theory is, I-, I think part of why we connect with a villain is because they mostly have good qualities with a couple bad ones. Like it's, it's nuts how often a villain or anti-hero is that way. So like Rorschach in this book, He is a hard worker. He's creative. (laughs) He thinks a lot about his mom. He's a consistent journaler. He has a strong sense of justice. He seems to know where all the finger bones are. (laughs) His only vice is that he's a bigoted, murderous criminal. Or look at like the Joker. The Joker is extremely likable. He's Mm -hmm. well-dressed. He's smart. He donates school supplies. He's funny. (laughs) Another trend I've noticed is that Usually an antihero's vice is just a virtue that goes too far. Like Gone Girl is about an affair where the man was held way too accountable. <laughs> it's, it's like the B-side on the Carrie Underwood album. <laughs> That's my positive theory. My pessimistic theory is maybe we like anti-heroes just because evil is always at least a little bit fun. <laughs> and the way I know that, is the number of books begging you not to be evil? <laughs> All ancient scripture is like, please don't be evil, even though you really want to. <laughs> the devil doesn't even have a book of scripture, and yet it's still a close game. <laughs>
1: I remember the first time that I saw X Men in the theater. It was the first time that like Wolverine had been portrayed on screen, and he was so cool and just sort of a, a jerk. But Hugh Jackman is just so cool about it that I remember walking out as yeah. a teenager and just like with that movie buzz, walking out of the the establishment, just like invisibly slashing everything with my pretend <laughs> knuckle blades. <laughs> And I didn't leave this book thinking, man, I wish I had an owl cape.
0: You know, <laughs> I wish I really needed therapy. <laughs> I don't know that I really even root for any of these people, but yeah. but the the ideas in it are so compelling. Yeah, I do I do think it's the most idea rich and like thematically rich superhero story I've ever seen. Sure. Yeah. It's just that all the themes are sad. <laughs> all
1: right. Lesson two. Two cheers for tribalism. <laughs> I have this theory that as dumb humans we'll root for any team that we're on, like any team that we can connect ourselves to, doesn't matter how large or how small. We love to be part of a team and to just hate all of the other teams. Like (laughs) not even the people on those teams, just the teams. Like to quote to quote Gary Goldman's mortal enemy, Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) He says, When you're cheering for your team, you're just rooting for laundry. Yeah, And I think it just becomes an easy way to make a decision. Like, do you you really know what every person fully believes on that local ballot? Are you just voting for that particular candidate for treasurer of playgrounds because you like the R or the D next to that empty checkbox? (laughs) Sometimes the only thing that unites us as a team is just that part about hating all the other teams. Like we do this with political party sports. Edward or Jacob like the list continues to grow and that's we'll be covering some huge spoilers in this uh episode so if you're going to read this book uh maybe stop here read it and come back exactly to this moment the big reveal and central idea of the climax of this book It's such a fascinating idea that this hero slash villain of the story is asking is, could mankind stop its quibbles and band together if we were all convinced that there was an alien enemy, like another planet that wanted to hurt us, right? It's sort of the, I can insult my brother, but you can't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because in both cases, my status is highest. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's
1: such an interesting principle. And Before you argue that half of New York didn't need to be destroyed in the story, let's just consider this. And I'm going to use soccer as a global example, even though just <laughs> saying the word soccer, I've offended most of the global soccer fan base, <laughs> but you can substitute it for any sport. I think a city can be divided between high school soccer teams, right? Fans of those soccer teams. But all of those soccer fans on both sides can unite together against another city's soccer team. Sure. And a hundred cities of different soccer teams can unite against each other against another country during the Olympics, right? So I don't think it's that crazy to consider that maybe this continues to be scalable and that perhaps all the countries would unite against another world (laughs) that's the movie independence day yeah which i mean (laughs) it's funny too because it's independence day that we all got together no matter our differences no matter where we're from but we still coincidentally got to do it on america's Independence Day. (laughs) How bad would that speech have been if the aliens had invaded on any other holiday? (laughs) It's like, today we celebrate our cyber Monday.
0: (laughs) That is a thing I'm struggling with as we write the starlings, because on the one hand, I want the starlings to reflect things that are true and things that are helpful for kids growing up and things that make you happy. On the other hand, Almost every children's book that is fun delivers the message. You are the specialist little child and you are better than everyone else, especially your dumb enemies. <laughs> so every day as I write, there's a tension between those two things. Mm. I guess the moral of the story is uh, the applicable
1: part of this uh, graphic novel is that like, if you, <laughs> if you run a kid's soccer team and they're just not getting along, they're not gelling destroy half of them, and then just
0: watch that team thrive. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend aliens did it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, lesson three. Extra effort yields extra reward. So, Callan Damon Lindelof, who made The Watchmen Show, said he loves Easter eggs because he loves when extra effort yields extra reward, which... Mm. I think it's such a great way of putting it. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to show you my favorite Easter egg in this book. So if you could open two pages right now, go to page 145 and page 172. Pages at the same time. Okay. Okay. This is the first and last page of chapter five. Do you notice anything?
1: Um... I mean, I noticed the symmetry between the alternating red and blue color palettes on the panels. Yeah, I don't know what's going on.
0: So you'll notice it's the same location, Uh it's the same color scheme and pattern, like you said, and it's the same characters. Mm. Okay, now turn pages so you're on the second page and the second to last page. Oh. Crazy. So same thing, same characters, same house. So this whole chapter is symmetrical. It's oh my a chapter word. called Fearful Symmetry. Oh my! God. Every single page mirrors its opposite. Whoa. From end to end, and then they meet From in the From end to end of the chapter. Holy now go cow. to page 158, the middle of it. It's a perfectly symmetrical layout. And it even has the big V in the center for chapter five. Oh
1: my word, that's incredible. That's amazing. I would love if this was all just a big accident.
0: And when he got to the end, he was like, oh, Holy yes, crap. the the symmetry. <laughs> so there's, there's so many Easter eggs in this book. We can't begin to hit them. But another favorite, and tell me if you caught this one, Kellen. This character runs workout ads in magazines that say, I will give you bodies beyond your wildest imaginings. And then when he kills millions of people, you see that ad scattered amongst the bodies. Oh, oh Which my word. we don't have time to go through all of them, but it's a treat. to If you just Google Watchmen graphic novel Easter eggs and look at the lists, it's wild. All right. Lesson four, find
1: a North Star. This is also my only advice when I teach my nighttime sailing masterclass. <laughs> i i just say that and then jump off onto a getaway raft i'm like a nautical
0: dumbledore i just let them figure it out for themselves <laughs> i know we're planning to redo the harry potters because i do want to talk more about how he's objectively a bad headmaster <laughs> what is he good at choosing good teachers no student safety no no <laughs> <laughs> like, five out of the seven books
1: end with, I'm sorry, I should have told you sooner. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's on me. Anyway, sure wish I had some wool socks.
0: Wink. If you're the greatest wizard of your age, constantly getting outperformed by tweens, are you really? <laughs> you're not even the greatest wizard of other age groups. It's like how uh,
1: Matthew McConaughey in his memoir, Green Lights, would talk about how his, uh, his father would like punch him in the face or hit him with a two by four, but then he would turn around and tell us in the book, like, but you know what he never did? Ground me. <laughs> <laughs> that's because he valued our time.
0: Yeah, he, he should have grounded he, you. <laughs> <that's>...
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but he didn't want to take our time away from us. He just wanted us to live with the concussions. (laughs) So something that I really enjoyed about uh, Watchmen is that every chapter ends with a quote that is uh, such an incredible summary of the preceding events. Uh, and it became apparent to me that much of the story seemed to be reverse-engineered so that the trajectory of each of these story sequences would eventually intersect with these quotes. And I just think it's a brilliant way to construct a story. For example, when Dr. Manhattan is on Mars, he tells a story about how, as a boy, he was passionately following his father's footsteps in watchmaking and repair. But then after World War II, like with the release of the atomic bomb, his father literally throws all of that watchmaking stuff out the window and thrusts his son into a life dedicated to nuclear research. The end of that chapter ends with this quote from Einstein The release of atomic power has changed everything except our way of thinking. The solution to this problem lies in the heart of mankind. If only I had known, I should have become a watchmaker.
0: Yeah, so poignant.
1: Another fun example, Ozymandias, the smartest man of the world. He's sitting in his compound in Antarctica. He's got his genetically altered tiger by his side. And his two previous colleagues, superhero colleagues, Night Owl and Rorschach, are flying on these cute little hover scooters (laughs) to come interrogate him. (laughs) That's how the chapter ends. And it's capped with this quote from Bob Dylan. Outside in the distance, a wild cat did growl. Two riders were approaching. The wind began to howl. I love how satisfying this is, like how clever it feels. Um, Although uh, this was the one where I was like... (laughs) It seems less like he just scoured all of literature for quotes that fit the story and more like uh, they were writing stories to, uh, at times, you know, parallel uh, these quotes. Then <laughs> this one is the most obvious one to me <laughs> because this tiger thing has nothing to do with the story at all. like. <laughs> It serves no purpose other than to eventually get uh, to this quote. But all getting aside, it's already so expertly crafted, but then to just end with such a perfect button at the yeah. end of every chapter, it it disgusted me. <laughs> you know how some things are inspiring and other things are so good? You're like, well, I guess I can never do this.
0: Every good thing I see, I think I can do. <laughs> All right, random facts.
1: So I haven't done a lot of research on this book. It sounds like you know a lot more than I do. I I imagine that uh, it influenced a, a lot of things that sort of set a higher bar for comics. But I also think it influenced some terrible things like the guessing of someone's computer password based on basic clues about their life. <laughs> I just want to let every every writer, because I still see this in movies and TV, just want to let yeah. e- everyone know, not only do my passwords have nothing to do with my life, I use symbols within my passwords that I've never even pronounced before. <laughs> so there's no way <laughs> that anyone's password has ever been the name of the person whose picture they have on their desk.
0: (laughs) But what if that person is the smartest man in the world? (laughs) Like what, he can't remember something a little more random? Right. This this is a guy (laughs) could have a password where he has
1: offset the first 50 decimal points to pi by three
0: integers. <laughs> he could change it every day and never forget it,
1: <laughs> but it's still gonna be.
0: Instead, <laughs> it's
1: like Ramses, <laughs> yeah. like his historical hero, <laughs> <laughs> is the name of. Literally, his entire mansion is decorated in Egyptian. <laughs>
0: That's the thing, too. He's running this incredibly secret operation. No one can find out or it will ruin his whole plan. And everything is a reference to Egypt. (laughs) Kellen, I have a story and a quote. So Alan Moore got cheated by DC Comics. They said he would get the Watchmen rights once the comic was out of print. And then they just never let it go out of print. Oh, no. And so he, he realized he'd been swindled. And so he quit writing for DC entirely. here's a quote from the book and i promise this connects looked at sky through smoke heavy with human fat and god was not there the cold suffocating dark goes on forever and we are alone born from oblivion bare children hell bound as ourselves go into oblivion there is nothing else i want to know how someone that cynical got conned that easily (laughs) most days he's like god is an illusion but with dc he's like golly when you stop printing it it's mine I wonder when you'll stop printing it.
1: (laughs) And then when he finally caught on, like, 10, 15, 20 years later, he's just sitting there like, oh, man, who Who watches watches The the Watchman, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's this very relatable moment in this book as a kid who grew up in the 90s when calendars were still a big thing. <laughs> um, this law enforcement guy comes into, uh, one of the superheroes, uh, well, meets with one of the alter egos of a superhero and, uh, he's sort of snooping around and he says, uh, to the hero, uh, as he looks at the count, cal- a calendar on the wall, he goes, you know, two kinds of people have calendars, people who peek at next month's picture in advance and people who don't, <laughs> which are you? And the guy was like, I don't. And I was like, I don't either. I never have. I used to get... Ace Hardware Store every year would give out a free calendar of trains, and so every month was a different train, and I made sure to never look at the back. I opened it right to January, and it stayed there, and the reward... It's delayed gratification, David. Man, when you, when you uh, reveal that next one, the rush I would get... We had three channels on TV at the time, Dave.
0: What was it about the unknown trend? You had three channels? I didn't realize the three-channel era lasted that long. Yep. Oh. We also never had cable. Cable
1: was for rich kids. When did the three-channel era end? Maybe with the satellite TV. I don't know when that stopped. But yeah, it was uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS was a little fuzzy. (laughs)
0: They don't want you to learn too much. (laughs) So what about the trains was most thrilling for you? I was just really into trains.
1: And so seeing another picture of another cool train was just always fun (laughs) for me. And I would sit there and think like, yeah, this 1890 steam engine really does represent the month of March. Like the the editors knew what they were doing
0: here. (laughs) Wow, that's a that's a lot of that's a weird amount of discipline for a kid.
1: Yeah. Again, it's the reason why I haven't watched a trailer for Dune 2 yet. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like I know I'm going to like it, so why why ruin the surprise now? <laughs> so this book takes place in this alternate future in nineteen eighty five where electric cars are abundant. Even though in the same year, Doc Brown invented a car that ran off banana peels, but they conveniently overlooked that. (laughs) And so in this world, the cities have installed what they call spark hydrants along the sidewalks for anyone who needs a charge. And while I do think that spark hydrant sounds way cooler than charging station, it also (laughs) sounds like a super dangerous thing to walk by with your dog.
0: Yeah. (laughs) not a lot of dogs and watchmen i notice
1: so i i have this dilemma where i care about the environment
0: why do you say that like eeyore (laughs) there's always a but (laughs) yeah everything you say before the but is not what you actually care about i was gonna say environmental
1: messages and entertainment There's this paradox where I cannot be pleased. I don't like (laughs) clever parables of the environment like that um, (laughs) Don't Look Up movie, which started out as a comedy and then just drolled on with an agenda. Um, But then I also don't like things that are just ham-fisted environmental messages. So I'm not sure (laughs) what it is that I want. (laughs) I want less pollution. I guess I just don't want to read about it in a comic book. And to be fair, this this book is hardly about that. But there is... Yeah, this... I was like,
0: what parts are you even talking about? Well, there, <laughs> there's, there's what just if a Kellen com- is so guilty about the environment that he just sees this everywhere?
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> Again? <laughs> and let me guess, all of these corpses at the
0: end represent plastic straws? I get it. I'll stop. <laughs> We need to destroy the Soviets. Pollution.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, there's just a couple of parts. I mean, Ozymandias in his uh, sort of manifesto, his rant at the end, he mentions the environment. But the only other uh, sort of uh, on the nose moment is when the blue guy, Dr. Manhattan, is flying in his giant glass clock spaceship over Mars with lori and they look down at this beautiful sort of red pink canyon and he says would it be greatly improved by an oil pipeline <laughs> it's like okay but do you have any idea how much oil it took to make this comic book and get it to me <laughs> let's hold our blue horses all right quick lightning round of my favorite quotes from the book In discussing what would happen if everything in the world was destroyed in nuclear war, a character says, even the word gone would be gone. Hmm. I loved this moment from uh, uh, Ozymandias as he is describing, he has like uh, 50 TVs running simultaneously and he's just watching all of them and taking everything at the same time. And what he says (laughs) to me is such a parallel To me, it just feels like what social media is now. Yeah. (laughs) He says, computer animations imbue even breakfast cereals (laughs) with a hallucinogenic futurity. Music channels process information blips, avoiding linear presentation,
0: (laughs) (laughs) implying limitless personal choice. (laughs) That's the thing. Anyone 35 or younger... Watches five screens at once and would blow up New York City for their political beliefs. Big whoop.
1: (laughs) I also think that Elon Musk could have renamed Twitter information blips. (laughs) It's better than X. (laughs) Yes. And then finally... When Rorschach is talking about the sort of the mortality rate of superheroes, he says, violent lives ending violently. And he lists off these uh heroes who have been offed. Dollar Bill, the silhouette, Captain Metropolis, we never die in bed. Hmm. Just such a such a great line, but also how dumb of a superhero name is Dollar Bill. Like <laughs> what does this guy do? Fling himself at dancers? <laughs>
0: Does he lay under kids' pillows after they lose a tooth? He's probably just another Bruce Wayne-style billionaire who recognizes where he came from. <laughs> he's probably he's probably getting ahead of the scandal. I mean, the truth is, if Batman existed, we would make so much fun of him. <laughs> that some rich prick is driving around a multi-million dollar car to pretend to fight crime instead of investing in infrastructure or something. <laughs> I think of when Batman begins when he's just he's just de-roofing
1: houses with his tank. <laughs> just to evade the police. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> no, here's what would happen: the left would hate him, and because of that, the right would love him. Not because they actually love him, but because the left hates him. <laughs> Full
1: circle back to tribalism. (laughs) (laughs) So what we need to do is kill half of Batman. And then (laughs) everyone would love him. (laughs) I think of all the uh, incredibly depressing events that happen in this book with murder and genocide and war and... Uh, nuclear tension the saddest moment in the entire book was this character ruminating on what would happen what evidence would remain of our entire existence as humans on this planet he says if all of this happened save for richard nixon whose name adorns a plaque on the moon no human vestige <laughs> would remain. <laughs> I was just like, oh, can you imagine? Aliens arrive here, the earth is on fire, and they go to the moon for clues. <laughs> ah, so this must have been This
0: was their the, king. The most, their important. <laughs> most respected. <laughs> he kind of is the perfect embodiment of humans, though, right? <laughs> I guess looking at it from that perspective, <laughs> ambitious, thinks he's above everything, and then does things that are so dumb.
1: Yeah, the, and th- those aliens go back to report to their highly advanced species, and they're like, So, what did you find? Well, and then, and someone comes in with just this file folder that says
0: tricky dick. <laughs> All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from Watchmen. One, why do we like antiheroes? Two, two cheers for tribalism. Three, extra effort yields extra reward. Four, choose a North Star. And five, aliens hate soccer.